We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Michigan. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. Welcome to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and we've been putting out plenty of content lately. So I want to make sure everyone is caught up to speed. About a week and a half ago, I included some exit interview audio from some players. And then in between those, I gave my reaction to those responses that they had with the media. On Friday, we released two episodes. One was planned with part one of our player grades, and one was an emergency podcast on the firing of James Borrego. Brian and Lee handled that one, and I think most people were fairly shocked to hear that news, but we're glad that we got that content out. So if you've not listened to any of those last three podcasts over the last week and a half, go back and listen to those. And then today, you will get part two of the player grades. We've actually turned this into a three-part series because today's conversation went a little bit longer. On part one, the one on Friday, we handed out grades to LaMelo, Ubre, McDaniels, Hayward, and Cody Martin. But today's podcast will strictly be on Mason Plumley and Miles Bridges. And on the following part three episode, we will finish it off with Washington and Rozier. So we stuck with nine players. I think on the previous episode, I mentioned that they had to play a thousand plus minutes. And I was, I was wrong on that because Jalen McDaniels only played about 900, but we still included him as a top nine minute getter on this Hornets roster. The ones that we're going to talk about moving forward, definitely played a thousand, actually closer to 1700 minutes and up. And we're going to start with Mason Plumley today and then get into Miles. And we're just going to go ahead and jump right into this thing and then just be on the lookout for part three either later this week or early next week. So hope you guys enjoy. And we're going to start with Mason Plumley. And I think he is up there for one of the most overly like criticized player on the team, especially considering that his production was 
relatively useful. Like I think that he did hamper the spacing. I do think that he lacked some rim pressure, sure. But was he as bad as the Hornets Twitter and community made him out to be? I don't believe so. I think the biggest thing with Mason is he added he added a couple things for me. Very good passer for his size. He had that backdoor pass mainly to Rozier, pretty much down pad. He's able to rebound the ball on both ends of the court. It didn't always feel that way because the Hornets themselves as a team uh, was a poor defensive rebounding team, but I wouldn't necessarily point my finger strictly to Mason on that. He's actually very good at that like back tap offensive rebound, creating second chances for the Hornets offense. And I think one of the more underrated qualities, just kind of looking back through my tweets and some of my videos that I posted and just kind of like reflecting on his game, he sees things pretty good for a big man. And almost before they happen, if you were to just watch Plumlee all game, you would see that he's not directing traffic, but you see that he knows where the screens are coming. He knows where the ball should be coming. He is really good at setting like back screens for off ball cutters and off ball shooters in the corner. And there was a clip that I reposted the other day against the Lakers where Miles Bridges was leaking up down the court and you see him motioning down the court and he caught the rebound after that motion and he threw it up to Miles Bridges for the dunk. So it's it's the little things that I think that go unnoticed with Plumlee. Clearly, um, he did have some of his issues. Thoughts on Mason Plumlee, Lee? Yeah, I mean, Mason, uh, I've said this kind of all year, like he's just been a victim of expectations, essentially, Mm -hmm. like he's been he was he was kind of forced into a role for Charlotte uh, that has just been kind of desperately searching for a starting center for basically half a decade. And he was kind of another dart at the dartboard in that process. Um, You know, I think Mason is perfectly cast as kind of a rotational center and not a center that you should be relying on for 30 minutes a game, which is what he was for a lot of this season for the Hornets. So I think the reason why he gets so much criticism and so much kind of like flack from the Hornets um, fan base is because of that, like, is because of that dislocation between what he is able to provide, what his services are in reality and what the fans wanted him to be. And and what the fans wanted him to be was just never realistic. And and and, and I agree, Richie, like he's he's a really nice passer, particularly particularly um on that kind of like pseudo transition backdoor pass that he got a lot to that you mentioned to Rozier. I mean, he he provided essentially exactly what I expected. I think because he was coming off of a career year basically in every way in Detroit on a team that was horrible, but that he was like very featured on. I think I might've expected him to be a little bit, a little bit better offensively um, because of, because he was coming off that career year. But other than that, uh, he pretty much, he pretty much provided what I thought. I I think you also would wish that Plumlee was like a little bit of a better rim protector because of his size, but he's just never really been that in his career. I mean, he, you know, he'll block a shot here or there, but he's not he's not a premier rim protector by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, it's funny. I mean, you look back and you kind of look at his lineup ratings and stuff and believe it or not, like he is like slightly positive. And uh, Cody Zeller was kind of always like flat or just barely, barely negative. 
Uh, so I, I think the term I used to use with Zeller was like he he would kind of hold water essentially when he was in there until they could get to the PJ at the five lineups. And Mason's impact was pretty much the same from a net rating standpoint. So he held water. Um, he stayed in his lane for the most part, besides maybe a couple uh, a couple full court dribbles that that you wouldn't necessarily want him to do anymore. But <laughs> and and then I think the last thing I would say is, hey, he tried the left handed free throw thing. So like, let's give him some credit for that too. <laughs> that really was one of the like most funny like late season storylines. Yeah, I think one of the reasons. Um, that Plumley was at times like a punching bag of the fan base was because he just like, he wasn't one of the homegrown draft picks, you know, like he's a guy they brought in. Most other guys on the roster are people that the Hornets drafted 2018 through 2021, you know? Um, so I think that, that had an, that had an aspect of it too, you know, pretty low as far as his offense goes, I'll start there. Like lowest usage rate of his career um, under 13%. But he shot 73% at the rim. Certainly doesn't hurt to have a guy like LaMelo, you know, spoon feeding you. And I thought those two had pretty good chemistry in the pick and roll. Like you'd maybe like Plumley to have a little bit more gravity. I think there's some version of Plumley that is like a great fit with this roster. Like, but like, I, it's like Plumley plus like 10 to 20%. You know what I mean? Is like, is like, is it in a lot of ways can be someone that's like ideal for this team because they could, that Plumlee could run pick and roll. He could catch a lob, right? He could make some passing on the short roll. I actually thought his short roll passing yes. was like, okay. was like, was like, was good, but I thought I kind of liked him a little bit more from the elbows or on these sort of like transitions, freak sequences that you guys are referring to. Um, I kind of thought PJ was like the best short roll passer on the team, but Plumlee could certainly do it and keep it moving. I think there are some people in Charlotte that are really interested about the the acquisition of like uh, a Mitchell Robinson, which is great. Like he can he's a pogo stick, he can catch lobs and run the rim and stuff and create gravity that way. But it, it, you know, and so he's better in Plumlee in those regards, even though Plumlee can still catch a lob. But Plumlee's ability to like catch when the help comes over, kick it to the corner, kick it to the cutter in a dunker spot, or flow into a handoff. Like pretty useful and something that Charlotte with the with their like side to side activity that we talk about all the time on this pod was 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 useful for them defensively. Like his numbers were like not bad this season. You know, if you want to look at dunks and threes, yeah, uh, defensive EPM plus two ninety third percentile this season. Um, like he is a block. I don't think he's like Blake Lee said. I don't think he's like by any stretch like a good rim protector. But in terms of just like Block percentage, 2.7%. He gets a fair amount of steals for a center. Now, that part of that could be, you know, in relation to Charlotte's system as well, which was was adamant on forcing turnovers, but 1.6% steal rate. And, yeah, 17% assist rate on offense. He rebounded the ball pretty well, 22% defensive rebound rate, 10% offensive rebound rate. Yeah, he shot 73%. At the rim, you know, he's a liability in certain ways, though, because he's a terrible free throw shooter. Um, hence why he literally had to try changing hands <laughs> he shot with throughout the season. And then he's just like doesn't look to score all that much. So it, it felt like you really couldn't you couldn't just like they I think early in the season, they wanted to be able to like throw the ball to him at the elbow and like run elbow action. And it just got to the point where I was like, OK, that's that's not working. You know what I mean? Like. He doesn't threaten enough as a, as a shooter. Guys can sag off. 
he's not willing to take the floater or he can't make the floater as a counter. Um, and so just like, we're not getting enough juice out of this. So they kind of, I don't know. I feel like they still like went to it at times, but not like they, they I feel like Borrego tried it more um, earlier in the season. So look, Plumlee in a way is like, he, I think he was a stopgap. Um, he was another way for them to also move up to the draft and, and get eventually get JT Thor. So like, Shout out to him for that. <laughs> like, not not really something he himself did, but he was a part of that acquisition. So, um, as someone who likes JT Thor a lot as a prospect and, and like what I saw from him this season in Charlotte, I, I appreciate that. I do think Plumley probably a little overtaxed as a backup center. I think in an ideal world that the Hornets could have struck pre pre trading for Harold and pre when the pre the season, like falling apart. Like, I think they could have struck a workable balance with Plumlee as like the, the nominal starter in PJ is the guy that would close games at center, but they just did not have the defensive personnel on the perimeter to, to, to have that be like your workable center rotation, you know? And even then you were going to be exposed if you played it, you know, like Joel Embiid or something like that. But I think that platoon could have worked, but you would need the personnel to be just different and, and more and specifically like more sturdy defensively if, if that was going to be your your, your five man platoon. And ultimately, PJ and and, and Plumley play pretty, ended up playing pretty well together once yeah. they started seeing more minutes on the court. And we can get into some of those numbers in a little bit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If I, I can go ahead and kick off the letter grade since we've all weighed in on it. Let's do it. I'll go ahead and say uh, a C for Plumley. Or actually, let me go ahead and say a C minus for Plumley. Again, I think he was I think he was mostly I, <laughs> Let me take that back. I'm going to stick with my first thought. I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go. I mean, I'm, this is semantics at this point, but I'll go. I'll, I'll go C for Plumlee. I mean, he played his role. I think to have expected more out of him, you know, probably would have been asking for more than than was real was uh, realistic. 
Right, right. I had to look this up, uh, the free throw percentage with his right hand versus his left hand, because I, I believe it took place at the March 11th game at New Orleans. So I just kind of went to basketball basketball reference and I highlighted the uh, the games above that. Uh, basically, right-handed, 36%, left-handed, 53%. Still both not great, but the fact that he's shooting with his offhand <laughs> 20 percentage points higher than his actual naturally right yeah. hand. It's crazy. It worked. I wish it would have happened a little bit earlier in the season. So giving a grade two, Brian, I'm going to go ahead and do that as well. It's tough because like you mentioned, he was overtaxed as a player that probably shouldn't have been a starting center. But when looking at my other grades with the other players, I can't, I can't really give them a C because uh, I put Ubre and Hayward in the C range and oh, both yeah. of the, and both of those <laughs> players to me, performed a little bit lower than expectations Hayward a lot because of the injury. So I'm just going to give Plumlee a B and maybe that's okay. a little bit high. And again, it's not, it's not a relation to how well he played. It's, it's also in relation to the expectations that most people have of him. So I'm a solid B for Plumlee. Yeah, I think that's fair, Rich. Um, it's also funny. Like I was looking at his just like career stuff on basketball reference and I mean, he's definitely a bad free throw shooter. He's a career 55% free throw shooter. But this year, to be under 40%, it was like something It was like something extra broke in his brain or something. And he just couldn't – like, he just could not hit the broad side of a barn. So, so, I, so I'm actually going to give him the exact same grade that I gave Gordon Hayward. I'm going to give him a C because both of them fell in that category for me of, like – not unfortunately it might be a little bit too harsh because obviously like Plumlee was healthy and all that stuff, but just like gave us the season went exactly how I expected it to go for those two. So I'll just kind of stay consistent there. Yeah. All right, let's move on to miles bridges. Let's have uh Brian lead this one off. Well, man, what a season just like if you were paying attention to the Hornets in the 2020, 2021 season, the last couple of months of that year, you could really see Miles, like the light starting to kind of go on for him in a way that was beyond him just looking like a rotation player. All of a sudden, this time a year ago, we were wondering, well, wow, is there something else here? Um, I think the answer to that question 100% is yes. Uh, Miles Bridges at age 24 has become like a, truly a, a forceful and impactful Offensive player and an improving defensive player. I think at this point, if you want to give him the the two-way player label, you can go ahead and do it. But just a guy that factored into the conversation for most improved player throughout the season. I actually think if Charlotte hadn't like fallen off, like you know, halfway through the year, two thirds of the way through the year, he would have stayed in that conversation more with guys like Darius Garland and Ja Morant. But yeah, absolutely one of the most improved players in the league. Huge jumps in terms of uh, of usage, 22.1% usage rate this season. He had never been above 19% usage uh, in his career. 15.3% assist rate. Um, had never been above 11% assist rate in his career. And the turnovers actually dropped this year as well, uh, down to 10.3% turnover rate, which is the lowest since his rookie season. You think about how much Bridges played on the basketball this year. That is pretty, pretty, pretty damn impressive. Um, was an absolute force getting to the rim. 46% of his shots at the rim this season. 
that's the highest uh, since his rookie year. And again, if you're factoring in how much of that came off his own self-creation, like Charlotte's best offense at times this season was inverted pick and roll with Miles Bridges, right? Throw it to him at the top of the key. And then have either LaMelo, a lot of times it was Terry Rozier, occasionally Isaiah Thomas, uh, Cody Martin. They mixed James Booknight. They mixed in all of these guys as like screeners or ghost screeners. And Bridges is so good at getting downhill, getting going to his right hand. He is an incredibly creative finisher. It's something we talk about on here all the time. Like even when he's unable to get all the way to the rim, his ability to finish in that short mid-range zone, all which is uh, you know where a lot of his shots come from as well. Forty percent short mid-range this season, which is like okay, not great, but it's enough to I think to keep the ship moving. He can finish with either hand. He's got excellent touch. He's not just a dunker. The guy, the guy has a complete finishing package around the basket. He shot 68% at the rim, which again, considering that volume, that damn near half his shots came from in there, plenty of which were, were self-created, is really, really impressive. Really impressive. <laughs> he is a tremendously strong player, which again, is something we talk about all the time. I think occasionally it works against him. He'll get popped for offensive fouls when he puts the shoulders down or or barrels into somebody and he definitely will like use the extend the chicken wing a little bit to, to shove guys <laughs> off. But you just see him just like toss guys into the third row, you know, when he's like, and then he'll, and then he'll like, you're, and then he'll, he'll do that. Like he'll, he'll catch and go shot fake. He'll drive to his right. He'll push off with his left. Then he'll Euro. Then that guy flies into the crowd Then he'll Euro back to the other side of the rim and finish over a seven foot rim protector. Like he just does wild stuff like that all of the freaking time three point shot fell a little bit this season or a lot of it this year down to 34%, but on lots of volume, I mean, he really is like uh, his shot chart looks, I guess, kind of how you would like it to. I think maybe at some point we'd like to see a little bit more long mid range. Like we talked about this. That's maybe the next step for him. Um, only 3% of his uh, shot attempts this year came from the long mid range. And he just doesn't really have the, the step back midi or the pull up midi in his game. I kind of think that's the next thing for him. Like he's already a damn good player, but just there were times the season where they need, they were leaning on him to close out games uh, with the, in the pick and roll or isolation. And he just, he can't, there's certain spots on the court. He, he really doesn't excel from. I think of miles as a tremendously unselfish player and a, and a good passer can pass with either hand can make a bunch of different reads in a bunch of different scenarios, catch and go, pick and roll, short roll. Like you can just move this guy in so many different spots. Like he can play without the ball. He can work as a screener, a pick and pop guy, a slip guy, a short roll player. He's certainly the best like lob finisher dive guy they had on the roster this season. And yeah, LaMelo to Miles Bridges, like kind of the future of the Hornets. LaMelo assists Bridges 134 times this season. 88 of those 134 were rim finishes. Um, 102 out of those 134 were two-point shots. Only 32 threes assisted from uh, LaMelo to Miles Bridges. But, yeah, there's just like – it's tough to think of too many other nice words. He deserves all the praise. He deserves a big sack of money from the Hornets this offseason. And I know he still can struggle defensively. Like sometimes he gets asked to guard guys that are probably a little too quick for him or just maybe a little too skilled. I think he can still occasionally space out with, with, like when he's off the ball. 
or I don't, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say, I think he does occasionally still space out when he's off the ball defensively, but he's also turned into a pretty darn good, uh, like he can, he can be impactful as like the low man defensively. I think he did a nice job this season, breaking up lobs at the rim, um, you know, pick and rolls happening. He's low man on the weak side and, and Bridges was able to fight back and make plays. And I think some of that also just speaks to his effort. Like, you can dunk on Miles Bridges, but he's going to come down and try to block your shot on the next the next possession. Like he is a he is a tone setter in so many ways. Yeah, I, I don't know. Excellent free throw shooter, excellent defensive rebounder, and by the advanced numbers, really one of the the better players in the league this season uh, in terms of dunks and threes, estimated wins, a uh, ten for Bridges this year, which put him in the ninety sixth percentile in the NBA. Um, and again, this is a guy that just turned 24. So a special player and a guy that matters for Charlotte uh, going forward. I'll just start with a quick negative before gushing about miles. And I think you mentioned it, Brian, that his role change this year or his usage being up probably played a big factor into this, but he, his shooting basically dipped everywhere on the court. But I do think it had a lot to do with the fact that he was tasked with putting the ball in his hands a little bit more. Having said mm-hmm. that, despite all of that, like he's still an awesome player uh, driving the basketball this season. At one point, I was keeping tabs on him on Twitter in terms of like his field goal percentage off of drives. I actually just looked it up as Brian was talking there, but I filtered it out to 800 plus drives. And if you filter that out on field goal percentage, he's fifth in the NBA. And some of the players ahead of him definitely have more volume on the drives, but the fact that you're getting 800 plus drives on the season and you're shooting that well, that's a pretty good sample size in my book. And I think just putting pressure on the rim in itself is a skill, but when you have the ability to dunk like Miles and you have the ability to create for others off of drives, it just becomes way more lethal. I do think his scoring versatility is pretty good too. He can score kind of like what Brian was saying on both rolls of the pick and roll. Like he can handle it and be that bully ball player, or he can be the guy that is the role man. So many ways he can score transition, catch lobs, all those types of things. And I think eventually that three point shot will come back up. But one area in which I'm a little bit skeptical of is that mid range shot that Brian was alluding to. He's basically, I mean, he is non-existent there. Like he just doesn't even attempt shots from that spot on the court. So maybe that comes, maybe that doesn't. I'm more hopeful that a three-point shot actually comes back up than I am. He has some kind of mid-range game. But again, I think that's something that he'll have to develop. On the defensive side of the court, Brian, uh, to your point, ball watching has just always been a thing. I actually thought he cleaned it up a little bit last year. I just from the eye test, I didn't see a... I didn't see as much last year as I did this year. It it kind of felt like his first two seasons uh, this year where, you know, he just let players go back door. He talks about being a better defensive player, but it's almost like he's got to think his way through. It's a slow processing thing. It doesn't come as naturally for him potentially, but he does have that competitive edge where he wants to be better on that end. And then obviously he's a good rebounder on both ends that kind of, makes up for some of the defensive issues a little bit. So I don't think he was quite there in terms of like the most improved player. I don't know if you can really make an argument that he should have been a top three candidate, which he was not, but he was definitely up there and he improved a lot from last year. And obviously the role played a little bit into some of the efficiency numbers, but overall thought he did a a very good job this year. I'm going to go ahead and give him an A minus. Love it. So yeah, just a couple gaps to fill in. 
Um, this was this was my like favorite one to kind of prepare for, just because there's there's he gave he gave us so much to like yeah. praise him about. So a couple things on Miles mm-hmm. one. I remember saying multiple times before this year that Bridges was one of those guys who absolutely had improved every single offseason so far this year in the league, but it was like fairly marginal improvements. It was like a two to three percent improvement. Um, you'd notice like a little thing here, a little thing there. And then just like in totality, he had gotten a little bit better. But it felt like coming into his fourth season that the Charlotte Hornet fan base was kind of like waiting. Like, when is this guy going to actually make like a like a significant jump? And lo and behold, here he is this offseason. I mean, I don't know what you would characterize this as, like a 20%, 25% improvement. It was a massive, massive leap forward for Bridges. I think Brian alluded to this kind of briefly, but it's it's really easy to forget that this guy was like, very, very happy and con- not maybe not content is the right word, but willing and happy to come off the bench last season. Yeah. Um, like it's easy to forget that because of what a big jump he made. And you can't imagine Miles Bridges not being a featured starter for this team, but he wasn't last season. And he played that role until the injuries hit. And another thing Brian alluded to at the end of the year when he was called upon to be more of a usage guy, to be more of a playmaker, he was able to do that and show those flashes. So I think it's just like important to remember that Bridges, who is kind of like budding into, I don't know, whatever you want to call him, like a quasi star. He's not a superstar, but he's he's kind of coming into that. He is a very like easy guy to play with he he will yeah. embrace and take any role that the team gives him which is important um he also he played 80 games this year he's incredibly durable i think the two places i really saw and you guys have already mentioned this so i'll keep it brief but the two places that were just so jump off the screen at you for improvements with him was the isolation self-creation dribble stuff i mean dribble combination moves that you had not seen from him that all of a sudden he was using to absolutely abuse defenders. Um, And then the other thing is just his, him kind of embracing his size and his strength to just absolutely bludgeon guys under and to the rim and to finish. I think that's so important for him moving forward. It just gives him this, this other kind of like because of some of his like he, again he doesn't have the mid range stuff yet so the fact that he can absolutely just punish guys under the basket I think is really important obviously the raw numbers took a massive jump this year he averaged twenty a game seven rebounds three point eight assist in comparison to only one point nine turnovers like he took care of the ball he, he he made a massive leap as a playmaker as a passer. He was incredibly important to this team, almost a 2.5-plus net rating when he's on the floor. And then, obviously, of course, if you guys already said, like the LaMelo-Bridges combination is is uh, is pretty much everything for this franchise moving forward. The only thing I was going to mention, you guys have already mentioned the three-point shooting. I think it probably lives somewhere in the middle of what it was last year, which was 40%, and what it was this year, which was like 33 I think yeah. if he can settle in that mid kind of like – I think 35 or 36% is all he needs to like really truly be a, a very efficient uh, basketball player because then that 
you know, then that obviously just sucks defenses out to him even more. The catch and the catch and shoot, shoot stuff will be more efficient. Um, so I'd like to see that for him. Like I think thirty five percent on volume is like a really realistic, solid goal for him. Yeah. Um, and then just continually to progress as a, as a creator. That's that's what we we just need him to take another small step forward as a creator, another small step forward as a defender get the shooting back up just a little bit. And I think you've got a hell of a player here. Uh, I gave, I gave Miles just a straight up a, like, I, I think, I think with the, with the development arc he's showing with his age and with kind of his just fit in the modern NBA, this was a dream season for him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give my grade for bridges and I'm going to toss out just a couple quick numbers to provide a little bit more added context to all the stuff we, we just went over with bridges. Um, I'm going to give bridges an A too. He was one of my favorite players to watch in the league this season, uh, regardless of the, you know, playing for the Hornets or for anyone else. Um, so yeah, a for bridges, but a couple other thoughts here. You know, we just talked about the issues bridges has with that, the mid range game, the pull up game, Despite that, uh, he was Charlotte's most efficient pick and roll uh, ball handler this season. Obviously, not nearly the same amount of volume as like Lamelo, but 1.02 points for pick and roll possession this season. 51% shooting, 55% effective shooting on pick and rolls, and also as the pick and roll roll man. So this includes rolls to the basket, slips, and pops. 1.19 points per possession, 54% shooting. 56% effective shooting. Just to be clear, like you won't find too many guys in the NBA that have a hundred plus of both of those possession types that finished over 1.0 points per possession on both. It's very few. In fact, I might go and see if there's anyone else who did that this season. Cause it's, it's pretty, pretty darn special in isolation this season, 0.99 points per possession. He was also Charlotte's best in this regard. 45% shooting, 48% effective shooting. And as a cutter this season, he was so good, like cutting into the dunker spot, cutting along the baseline. Like when PJ would get into the short roll or Plumlee would get into the short roll. Bridges, 83% shooting on cuts, 1.57 points per possession. One of the best numbers in the entire NBA. And yeah, 35% shooting off the catch, 52% effective shooting in the half court, at least. So that's pretty good. Like to Lee's point, pretty good. And the off dribble jump shot in the half court, 44% effective shooting, like not where it was a season ago, which I think it would have been, it was, it was, would have been unlikely for him to continue that. It was such a small sample with it last year too, all things considered. But yeah, Aver Bridges, he was incredible. And if he makes a leap that's kind of in between the sort of like marginal growth that Lee was talking about his first two seasons in the NBA and the leap he had coming into this season. Like he's an all-star next year, you know, like, like he, he was pretty close this season already. And and if he makes one more, you know, if he shoots 37% on threes and continues all this other stuff with the drive and the short roll and the lobs, like the cutting and and the defense maybe improves the processing improves a little bit more there too. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. He's, he's right on the doorstep. He's a hell of a player and uh, cannot wait to watch him uh, next season as well. I don't think that like, I mean, it, it, it would take another jump for sure. There's like no question about it, but I don't think 
like an all NBA team is completely out of the question for him, like in his career at some point over the next three yeah. years. Yeah. It's I, obviously the Hornet success is going to play into that too. Of course. Yeah. But right. Um, right. Like, I think right. he's that good. I really do. Yeah. I, I agreed. He's not far off, but again, you obviously would need to take another leap, but just like the guys like bridges are like, why you get, why you get into the NBA for me, it's like why we do a podcast like this. Totally. Like you follow a small market team. You talk about them. You cover the draft. Like I remember previewing bridges before the 2017 draft on this pod. You know, eventually he went back to Michigan state. That's right. Cause we all thought he was going to leave after yeah. that last year. Yeah. And uh, then he ended up coming out a year later and you know, he comes to the Hornets, but like, this is why you do it to like, to track the growth development, the ups and downs. Like, I know there have been times where, like, I've been low on Bridges, you know, and it's maybe like his second year in the league or whatever. What what he's become is just it, it it's incredible, and I think it's actually softened the blow of like when Charlotte like really should have like fallen off a cliff at times, like two seasons ago when Lamelo and Hayward and Monk all got hurt at the same time, and then this year when Hayward went down, and all it was was like Lamelo Lamelo and Bridges to like create offense, you know. I think Bridges' development kept them, made them a more competent team than they probably like would have projected to without those guys before the season started. I'm glad you read off those numbers about Miles Bridges being effective on both ends of the pick and roll as a roll man and as a ball handler. I'm definitely intrigued to see what numbers you find if there is some kind of volume and efficiency of other players out there that that did it at the rate that Miles Bridges did because that definitely matched my eye test as I was looking back on his season. We're going to go ahead and stop the conversation here. We're going to wrap it up with Mason Plumley and Miles Bridges. Just to give you guys a recap, I gave Plumley a B, BG and Lee gave him a C. For Miles Bridges, I gave Miles an A minus. Both BG and Lee gave him an A. On the third part of the episode, you will hear us talk about PJ Washington and Terry Rozier. Like I said, that'll either come out later this week or early next week. And then after that, we might take like a week off before we get into draft prospect prep, unless there is some kind of big news regarding the head coaching position. That'll probably be the way the schedule plays out. You'll get part three in the future and then maybe take a week off. But we do appreciate all the support that you guys have given us so far as always, the best way to support us is to go give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. For Lee, for Brian, I'm Richie. We will talk to you guys next time. Have a good one.